Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Now I'm Ready to Start edition, as Joe Burrow returns to the starting lineup this Sunday in the Bengals' final preseason game. Coming up, you'll hear Burrow explain why it's so important for him to get a few snaps before the regular season opener. Then, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins explain why we shouldn't panic about Jamar Chase's drops. In my Fun Facts conversation this week, you'll get to know one of the most pleasant surprises of training camp, defensive back Jalen Davis. And finally, I'll discuss Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, the offensive line, and much more with NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the Bengals' new Ruler of the Jungle ceremony. This Sunday, 15 minutes before kickoff against the Dolphins, the Bengals will debut a new pregame ritual from a jungle-themed throne at Paul Brown Stadium, as a so-called Ruler of the Jungle will lead the crowd in the Who Day chant to get everybody fired up for game time. The first ruler of the jungle will be superfan James J.B. Brown, who has led the players out of the tunnel and onto the field at home games for many years. In games to come, the ruler of the jungle could be a former Bengal, a celebrity, a prominent Cincinnati athlete from another sport. There are all sorts of possibilities. It's all part of the Bengals' concerted effort to make game day memorable at Paul Brown Stadium. Now, let's get to Joe Burrow. On Wednesday, head coach Zach Taylor announced that Joe Burrow will start in Sunday's final preseason game against Miami. He won't be in there for very long, and you can bet there will be no deep passes where Joe stands in the pocket and could take a shot to the left knee. I've been joking that the Bengals should introduce a new shotgun formation where the quarterback stands 27 yards behind the center just to be safe. At least I think that's a joke. In any case, here's Burrow on the decision to let him play in a preseason game. This was the plan the whole time. We just didn't want to tell you guys. So um, I'm excited to get out there and, and have a game, game-type feel. I think it's important to going into this last preseason game to be as close as you can to having a game-like feel. I mean, I'm going to be in the huddle during game one, so I need to be out there for the first play of this game, so I'm excited. We want to make game three of the preseason feel like game one of the regular season, and they need to hear how I'm going to call plays during a game. You know, they hear it in practice, but they need to hear it, you know, in a, in a game-like situation. Okay, I'll admit that I have been saying for months that Joe shouldn't play in the preseason. I exaggerated and said I wouldn't even let him come to the stadium. But in case you missed it, on a previous edition of this podcast, former Bengals quarterback Boomer Esiason made the case that Burrow should play. I would think like him, I'd want to play. I wanted to play in the preseason. I wanted to get hit. I wanted to feel the rush of the game, even though the game didn't mean anything. You're still out there with your teammates. You're calling your plays, even though they may be the most basic of plays. But you still want to feel like you can go out there and do it. And I hope they let him play at some point. Boomer and Joe will get their wish on Sunday. Another player returning from a torn ACL, center Trey Hopkins, will also see his first preseason action. 
The other big story at Bengals camp has involved Jamar Chase overcoming the butterfingers that plagued him at Washington last week, where he dropped all three passes thrown his way. In his first practice after that game, Chase continued to have a case of the drops, but since then, he's put together three strong practices in a row. Jamar is hardly the first receiver to have this problem. Earlier this week, I asked Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins if they could ever remember a time, whether it was in high school, college, or the NFL, where they simply could not catch the ball. Absolutely, you know, a few times through my legacy, you know, I felt felt that way. I look at my hands like, yo, what is wrong with me? Like, what is what is it? You know, because it never happens usually, you know, so I just try to Try, try to block everything out. Once, once I know we call a play and I know I'm going to get the ball, you know, I try to just stay relaxed and just, just go back on, on the little things, go back on what I just need to do to figure out a way to get a catch. You know, and once I get that catch and I feel the ball stick to my hands, then that's when I start feeling like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, back, I'm back at normal, you know. So it's, just, it's mental, man. It just, it just plays with you a lot, you know, because then it'll make you feel like you're not good enough or it can take you deep into, the, in, into your thoughts. So... I mean, I try to not let it bury myself. You know, I think I did a good, good job of just, like I said, just continue to try to move on to the next play. I was in college. I want to say it was my sophomore year. Um, I was, it was fall camp. I, it was like three days in a row where I was going just dropping it, and I had to sit down and talk to myself. It's like, man, this is not you. You know, you, you're here to catch the ball, and you're playing on a, a college level. And so, I mean, I just told myself, man, just go out there and just be you and just relax. See, I was, I was doing too much, I wasn't relaxing. And after, ever since then, just, I like to talk to myself when I uh, you know, start having drops. There are two reasons why I'm not worried about Jamar Chase. Number one, drops weren't an issue at LSU. In fact, vice grip hands were one of the big reasons why Chase was considered the best wide receiver in this year's draft. Number two, I don't think I have ever seen a player catch more passes off of a jugs machine after practice than Jamar Chase. His work ethic is phenomenal, and he will put this in the rearview mirror. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Now time for this week's fantastic fun fact segment where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with defensive back Jalen Davis from La Mesa, California, not too far from San Diego. That's your home now. But you were born in Honolulu. How much time did you spend in Hawaii? I spent a long time there. I spent a good two weeks. <laughs> I spent a good two weeks over there in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, my dad was in the military, and then they had me when I was out there. Then we moved out right after I was born. So not too long. <laughs> so we always assume that when your parent is in the military, that you had a strict upbringing. Was that the case for you? No, nah, that, was, that was not the case for me. I had amazing parents who just let me go out there and just do whatever I wanted to do and just be me. We're doing fun facts with Jalen Davis. Tell me about the nickname Little Train. Ha 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 ha! Oh yeah, you know that. You can find anything on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that was my nickname uh, in Pop Warner. You know what I mean? First. Like my first tackle football year, I always wanted to run people over. Like whenever I got the ball in my hand, I just wanted to run you over. Like I wasn't trying to shake, I wasn't trying to do nothing, I was just trying to run you over. So they was like, you know what? We even call you Lil Drain because <laughs> you just always want to run people over. And I was like the, always the smallest on the team, and I was always wanting to run people over. So when was the last time somebody called you Little Train? Well, everybody from that era of me growing up right there still calls me Lil Train, but 
not too much people know that now. <laughs> We're doing fun facts with Jalen Davis. You attended Helix High School, the alma mater of Reggie Bush, NFL quarterback Alex Smith, and Bill Walton, among others. Is there an explanation for why so many great athletes have come out of Helix High School? I don't know. It's just a, it's just a good program over there. Just a good program who just loves football and they got good coaches who want you to just to be the best at football. So Helix is a good, a good program over there in San Diego. In your senior year, four punt return touchdowns, two kick return touchdowns. Do you miss returning kicks? Hey, sometimes I do. I wish I can go back. Hey, I wish I can uh, get that ball back in my hands and go back there and do a little bit because I was that guy back there. I'll tell you that. But yeah, I do miss it. I do miss it here and there. We're visiting with Jalen Davis from Helix High. It was on to Utah State, located in Logan, Utah. I'm guessing that very few listeners to this segment have ever been to Logan, Utah. Describe what that's like. It is a very small, very small town who loves Utah State. <laughs> Good little Logan is a very small town that loves just the history around the college. And just a, it's a beautiful place. If you've never been, I advise you to go over there and see Logan, Utah. Mountains are unbelievable. Would you recommend Aggie ice cream? Yes, I would recommend Aggie ice cream. It's a good ice cream. If you go to Logan, make sure you go to Aggie ice cream. <laughs> We're doing fun facts with Jalen Davis. You became the first true freshman to start a season opener at cornerback in school history. Your first game is at Tennessee. 100,000 people in attendance. Was it overwhelming at all? No, it wasn't. You know, I feel like that was just like my moment of just realizing like, I'm made for football. Like this is what, this is what I can do. Cause normally you think you'll be nervous. Like it was so loud. It was the loudest stadium I've ever been in my life. And I was just so ready. Once I heard all the fans screaming, fans booing, I was just so ready to go out there and showcase my ability. So it was, a, it was an amazing experience. You had a tremendous college career, 49 starts, 11 interceptions, 48 pass deflections. That's a school record. Despite all of that, you did not get drafted, apparently because of your height. How disappointing was that? It was very disappointing, but you know, that just adds fuel to the fire. You know what I mean? That just gives me more and more to just motivate myself and just go out there and just show everybody what they're missing out on. You wound up signing with the Miami Dolphins initially. Your first game with the Dolphins, December of 2018, final score Miami 34, New England 33. That's the game that ended with the Miami miracle, a 70-yard touchdown pass with a couple of laterals on the final play of the game. What was it like to be on the field or on the sideline, I suppose, for that? Man, that was, that was amazing. That was an amazing experience that you would never – you would never really see that ever happen in the NFL game, and it's happened to happen my first time ever playing on the NFL team, NFL sport. It was just the electricity and the, just the shock of everything going on, everybody going wild, everybody screaming, jumping around. It was an amazing time. And we learned that Gronk is not a, a great tackler because the Patriots had him as the last line of defense, and that didn't work out so well. It did not work out so good. If you get Ken Drake and Gronk, I'm going to take Ken Drake <laughs> every single time. <laughs> a few more fun facts with Jalen Davis. You joined the Bengals last year, initially on the practice squad. You got elevated to the, the game day roster at Pittsburgh under difficult circumstances. Four cornerbacks were out, four coaches were out due to COVID-19. Mackenzie Alexander suffered a concussion early in the game. You wound up basically playing the entire way. Was what, that one of the craziest experiences you've had in sports? 
It was definitely crazy, but you know, I'm I'm here to play football and I'm and I can play football. So whenever my name is called, I'm gonna be ready every single time. That just makes me want to keep on preparing more because you never know when your opportunity is gonna come, and when it comes, you better make the best of it. You've had an excellent training camp, and in the preseason opener against Tampa Bay, you deflected two passes that teammates intercepted. Do you feel like you're kind of opening some eyes with your play? Hey, that's what I'm trying to do here. That's what I'm trying to do right now, which is open the eyes of everybody watching and just get everybody to trust me and trust that I can do my job and perform to my abilities. And that's what I'm gonna do. That's why I'm coming out every day, just giving my best, doing my job and go from there. All right, a few wild card categories to wrap things up. Do you have a hidden talent? I am very good at games. I'm <laughs> very good at video games. That's my hidden talent. <laughs> and what's your game of choice? 2K, NBA 2K, Madden. Anybody that want to play me, let me know. I will beat you. My 15-year-old son might want a piece of that challenge. Is, is there anything that you're absolutely terrible at? I'm sorry, I cannot say I'm absolutely terrible at anything. <laughs> I feel like I'm very good at everything. Nothing wrong with that if you can back it up. Last thing, if you could meet anybody in history, athlete, statesman, politician, actor, whatever it might be, who would it be? Ah. Michael Vick. Michael Vick was my favorite athlete growing up. <laughs> quarterback, lefty. I was a lefty. I started off at quarterback, so that was my favorite athlete. All right, you are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Continued success. Thank you. Jalen has had an outstanding camp, and depth is always crucial at cornerback. Earlier this week, Trey Waynes injured a hamstring at practice, and at this point, there's no word on if he'll be back in time for the regular season opener against Minnesota. Last week, due to NFL COVID protocols, we needed depth in the Bengals' radio and TV booths. Dave Lapham had to miss the game, so I called it on radio with the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Paul Keels. On the TV side, Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz was sidelined, so the Bengals reached out to NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger, who did a terrific job working with Mike Watts. I spoke to Brian about the Bengals this week. Ryan, let's start with the position you played for 11 NFL seasons, offensive line. The Bengals brought back Frank Pollock. They signed Riley Reef. They drafted three offensive linemen. Do you think it's significantly improved, or does that remain a big question mark in your mind? Well, I think it's a question mark. You've got to see what, you know, Trey Hopkins, you know, health is going to be like, if he's going to be ready to go. He's a big part of this. Uh, but I, 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 like, I like the depth, Dan. I like Riley Reef at right tackle. He's looked good to me so far. Uh, but he's been a quality starter. Uh, Jonah's got to hold down that left tackle position. You go up against Cleveland, you're going to see Miles Garrett. I mean, both guys are going to see Miles, and you got to, you know, you got to keep him off your quarterback. I mean, that's a that's a hard assignment for anybody. But I believe like Fred Johnson coming back, and just looking at the depth that they have, I I like what I saw of Deontay Smith in the first preseason game. I got to see more now. He missed the second one, but I believe. You know, he's got a chance with his long arms and his frame, you know, to be able to, you know, fill in. I don't know if he can start yet, but I know that, uh, you know, he's a guy that can add depth to your offense line. I think for the first time they've got real depth, and I think that's going to be important as they go through the season. Those guys that you mentioned have all been raving about Frank Pollock. How much does an O-line coach matter? Well, uh, I'll make a comparison. You look at what Cleveland was in 2019, and you look at Cleveland with Bill Callahan in 2020. I mean, it was the best, it was the best hire that Kevin Spansky had. Um, 
I think it's it's hugely important uh, to be able to mold a group, to be able to work on the techniques, to teach the, the offense, to teach the scheme. But then, more importantly, when things aren't going well on Sundays, do you have the ability to fix or adjust or tinker with your line to be able to take advantage of it? For example, if you can't get to the middle linebacker for whatever reason, the way that he's stacked, like you got to figure out the blocking scheme to get to him if you're going to run the ball. Uh, those are just in-game adjustments that you have to be able to make, and I think Frank's experience allows them to be able to do that. That is a really good point. We're talking to Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network. On Wednesday, Zach Taylor announced that Joe Burrow is going to play a few snaps in the final preseason game this week against Miami. Do you agree with that decision? And what impresses you most about Joe Burrow? Well, I watched him warm up last week in Washington, uh, Dan, and he looked really good. He looked focused. He looked leaner than I thought he was. Uh, it's a big old metallic brace on that knee, uh, you know, which is fine, which is fine. I mean, I've worn a knee brace my entire career after I tore my ACL in college. Many guys, Peyton Manning was part of his uniform. So I think that's the big thing is to go out there and look, the brace is part of the uniform now. The knee is never going to feel quite the same as it did pre-injury. But you got to get used to it. You got to you got to feel it. I know he wants to play, and I think it's the right decision. It is, it is fairly quick turnaround. But you know, a lot of teams, a lot of players have you know uh, injured their ACL, had it reconstructed, and came back and played uh, in the time frame that Joe has. But I, I do think if he's going to be your day one starter, you know, against Minnesota, then put him out there because, you know, two weeks is going to make a difference. So put him out there. Let him get more comfortable with the equipment. Um, let him get comfortable in a game situation and let him start getting ready for Minnesota week one. What stood out to you in the nine and a half games he played last year? Well, I, I saw him live against Philadelphia and he was unbelievable. I saw him throw for 400 against Cleveland. He was unreal. I saw him week one last year against the Chargers. They should have won the game. Uh, I don't know about the call at the end of the game. I mean, he brought the team down the field and uh, put them in a position to win it. Uh, I still believe, you know, A.J. caught the whatever. But <laughs> I, I just think his overall poise, the same accuracy we saw at LSU, we saw uh, last year. I think he completed 76% of his passes at LSU and his, you know, the, the Heisman Trophy run and national championship, you know, uh, run that they had. Uh, just his overall accuracy. Uh, and no, and just how quickly he can go through a progression and get the ball, you know, to the right guy. I mean, that's that's a skill that not many people have. We're talking to Brian Baldinger. He called the Bengals game last week on TV. It was obvious you did a ton of prep going into that game, Brian. Did anything catch your eye or stand out that you didn't know about the Bengals going in? I think how good I think they could be defensively this year, Dan. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, William Jackson's no longer there and, you know, Carl Lawson is gone. But when you look at Trey Hendrickson and you look at, you know, uh, what they have on the defensive front right now, DJ Reader healthy, um, you know, I, I, I just feel like, and the two linebackers and then the corners of Trey Wayans and Cheeto really play healthy, stay healthy and, and really play to their abilities, which I think they will. We know the safety position is in good hands. Uh, with Jesse Bates, who's a very underrated player, Von Bell. Like, I just think defensively, they have a chance to stay in every game um, with what they have right now, their ability to, to get to the quarterback, the ability to stuff the run. I, I think defensively, it opened my eyes. I, I don't know what's going on 
with a side because I thought he could be a big part of it. So I, I don't know. You might know more right now, Dan. Um, you know, the reports weren't good, but I, I, I thought he could be a guy that could really help him this year. So in the Washington game, Jamar Chase was targeted three times and failed to catch any of those passes. How concerned should we be? I think they were all third downs, too, uh, Dan. That's correct. You know, I would be concerned, but I think a lot of these guys that did not play last year are struggling to a degree. You know, Penay Sewell is struggling right now in Detroit. Um, you know, I think... I think just some of these guys that didn't play, I mean, I think it takes a while to get their eyes right, to get their hands right. Um, Cause that's what it looked like to me. It looked like he was late with his hands on some of those throws that were made to him last week. Um, sometimes that's the eyes just adjusting to game speed. Uh, I'd be concerned now, uh, but it's, but I, the concern would go away if the drops go away. You know, that that's just where I'm at with it right now. I mean, you just gotta, you got to be able to put it all back together like it was 2019. And if you haven't played competitively, uh, especially at that position, um, then I then I think you got to work your way through it. I remember before the draft, you saying on NFL Network that you were in favor of taking Chase instead of Panay Sewell. What was your reasoning? I thought Panay Sewell had real balance issues. Um, I know he's only 20 years old. But when I watched him against better competition, there wasn't a lot in the Pac-12. But when you watched him against Auburn and you watched him against Wisconsin, I thought there was some some real balance issues. It showed up last week against Pittsburgh big time. It showed up the week before against Buffalo. Uh, now, you know, look, he's 20, 21 now. You know, maybe uh, he'll get his feet underneath him. But I think there's, I think there's some natural concerns that I have about his the way his body is and the way that he takes on rushers and adjusts. I think that there's some real issues right there with him. And I thought that would carry over into the NFL. And so when they made that decision to go with Jamar Chase, I didn't have any problem with it all to really work on the three receiver sets that you're going to see um, with what they have right now with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. So I, I thought that was the right choice from if the decision was Sewell, or Chase, I, I was going with Chase all day. We're chatting with Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at BaldyNFL. I was fortunate to sit in on a pregame Zoom call with you and Zach Taylor and some other people that were broadcasting the game last week, and you brought up the enthusiasm that you saw on the Bengals' sideline in the first preseason game, and when you said that, Zach Taylor lit up like a Christmas tree and said he was really glad that you noticed it. You played the game for more than a decade. Is that a significant thing? Yeah, it is. You know, I was just watching, I just bring up an example. I was watching Denver yesterday, and they got a, a young player out of Ohio State, Jonathan Cooper, and he had a sack fumble. And I just saw the sidelines, led by Von Miller, jumping up and down like it was Christmas, you know, like pulling for the players. And I see the same thing. I, I You know, I see the same thing with Hubbard and, you know, with Trey Hendrickson and, you know, some of the leaders of the team where they're pulling for these guys. And it's, it's, I think it's palpable, Dan. I think, you know, something to look for this week again, where the veterans are pulling for the young guys. Um, they're not got a baseball cap on and, and tuned out on the sidelines. They're into it. And I think it's really, really important to be able to build that camaraderie and to really have that type of enthusiasm. It's contagious. You need it, 
things don't always go right on Sundays. Sometimes you got to turn your fortune around. I remember when I was a young player um, in Dallas, when I was a rookie, and Ed Tutal Jones was one of our leader. And I remember, you know, at a, a point during my rookie season, we were down significantly in a game. And I just remember Tutal Jones going up and down the sideline and saying, we're going to win this game. We're going to win it. We're going to come back and win this game. And I, and I was like, okay, Tutal said we're going to win it. Let's see. And we did. We came back and we won the game. And, and you just have to have that belief. And I, I've seen it on the sidelines, and I, and I believe it's, it's real. And it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm optimistic about Cincinnati, um, you know, with Zach Taylor's third year of turning this thing around. So the Bengals are in a division where the other three teams made the playoffs last year and all of them won at least 11 games. What do you think about the AFC North this year? And, and what do you think constitutes success for Cincinnati? I, I can't put, you know, a number of wins on it. Um, I think they'll definitely have more than they had a year ago. I think the, to- the total will go up. But it's a very tough division. You know, if you watch Pittsburgh against Detroit on Friday night, you know, Ben looked great. The young players, the rebuilt offense line looks better. Najee Harris is a good fit for what they're doing. Uh, you know, it's. It, I think it's the best division in football. But, you know, we saw them in a shootout against Cleveland last year. It was a fun game to watch. I just think the, the AFC North is just going to be as fun a division to watch as any division in all of football. You can say the NFC West. You can say all this stuff. But, I mean, you know what you're getting with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. You know what you're getting from them defensively. You know what Cleveland wants to do offensively right now, uh, the way that they can run the football, the way that they run it. Um, it's just going to be really, really competitive football. It's going to be every one of those games, I think, is going to be must-watch TV right now. Brian, I know Bengals fans really enjoyed your analysis last week. I appreciate your time today, and I hope our paths cross at some point this season. Thank you. You you bet, Dan, anytime. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.